Medic! New podcast, Late Calls, episode three. Some uh, continuing education for y'all. This is a uh, con-ed piece I did about two years ago that uh, was actually really well-received at our service, and just one of those things I've been thinking about for a while, and thought you guys might enjoy it, and if you guys head over to the YouTube channel, just search Medic Up, and you'll find us. While you're there, subscribe. Um, it'll be late, late Calls, Episode 3, and uh, it's called So You've Been Ambushed, or One of What Seems Like a Thousand Things They Didn't Cover in Medic School. 125 is dispatcher. 125. 125 is dispatcher. 125. We are being shot at. Multiple firemen down. Multiple firemen shot. I am shot. I think we have an assault rifle. We have multiple firemen down. Working fire. Full fire shot with a firearm. Understood. 1232 to copy. Multiple firemen down. Multiple firemen shot with a working So if you guys are unfamiliar with uh, that radio traffic, that is from Webster, New York, on Christmas Eve in 2012. Um, and uh, two people pictured here, two firefighters who were killed, um, Michael uh, Ciparini and uh, Tomas uh, Kachuka. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, if you're unfamiliar with it, it was uh, some just crazy dude, some gunman 
I'm not going to name his name because he's not worth it. Uh, it was a in Webster, New York. It's a uh, suburb of uh, Rochester, and this dude, uh, he just you know went nuts, and uh, he ended up shooting himself also. Um, so way back in 1980, this dude beat his 92-year-old grandmother to death with a hammer in her home. Uh, he was 17 years in a New York State prison uh, on the manslaughter charges. Um, he was on probation, and he lived pretty quietly uh, with uh, his mother, who died that previous October. Uh, he lived with his sister also. And uh, this dude um, set fire to his house and waited for the fire department to show up and started shooting at him. Um, that, you know, probably one of the farthest things from, you know, fire and EMS's minds that, Hey, we're here to help. I, you know, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you shooting at us? Uh, unfortunately in the last couple of years, and you know, it's actually probably again, more because of social media, you know, this is way more reported and, you know, people, people suck. Um, this has been happening way more than I remember. I remember writing a, a report uh, or a literature review while I was in paramedic school on violence toward EMS. And at the time, there was really like a handful of articles in in journals that were available that reported on violence toward EMS. Um, and again, you guys can look at your social media feed. You can watch the news. You know, there's there's plenty of stuff out there. Here you know, a few examples, you know. Um, it, there was one in Kansas City. The paramedic was shot while responding to a house fire. That guy made it. Had a firefighter shot and killed on an EMS call in Arkansas. There was a St. Louis firefighter who was ambushed. Um, you know, these guys showed up to fight a fire and they were ambushed. And you know, then he had even. I mean, the cops. It seems more seems more prevalent even more. Um, and when I did this uh, con ed two years ago, uh, it was right after. Um, Officers Lou and uh, Ramos were uh, were pretty much executed uh, in their police car uh, in in Brooklyn. So it's not that it's any more acceptable. It's just you know it see it always seems like you know there's a lot more a lot more hate towards the police department. But I mean it really is bleeding over. If you guys think recently, I mean I say recent the last couple of years. I remember a story, uh, there were, I think it was Gwinnett, Georgia, where there were firefighters taken hostage. Uh, there was one in Pennsylvania where a dude came into the fire station and held the, the duty crew hostage. Um, you know, it's, it, it's just one of those things. And I think it's, you know, we probably don't think too much about it uh, while we're out there. So I put this together just to kind of, you know, just get that mindset a little bit. So you know, how do you prepare for the unexpected? Um, you know, expect it. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of a stupid saying for the most part because, you know, it's unexpected. So how can you expect the unexpected? You change your mindset a little bit. You know, you have to be, you have to t be proactive about it. And proactive training, you know, what is, what is that? Um, you know, you train your mindset. Mindset is always the first way to, you know, when you say you want to wrap your head around something. So that good old if and then or when and then training, you game it. You know, you play the what if game. You game the call. 
Um, you know, I used to sit when I worked uh, transfer service. We would sit doing wait and returns, and I'd look at my partner. We were sitting at uh, University of Pennsylvania one day, and they were doing work across the street, and there's dudes up on a scaffold. I looked at my partner. I was like, what if two of those dudes fell right now? What would we do? And you, know, and you just you just run through it. It keeps your it keeps your brain turned on to things like that. You play the what if game, you know. You, and what do we say all the time? You can play what if until the cows come home. Keep playing it. Keep playing what if. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it, it is super popular. I mean, that's how um, that's how athletes train. That's how you know high performing individuals train. They they play the what if game in their head. They think of every situation. All those cliched sayings. You know, uh, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Or um, don't train until you get it wrong. Or, or don't train until you get it right. Train until you can't get it wrong. You know, those are absolutely salient to things like this. So a couple things you guys can think about while you're on your shift. And this is fire, police, EMS. And I, I got all this information, all the information from this presentation comes from um, law enforcement. This is all law enforcement stuff. So, it, you know, it's always better to surprise than to be surprised. When we don't sneak into people's houses, you know, we're knocking on the door. And we usually announce ourselves, you know, you knock on the door, EMS, paramedics, whatever. Um, but still, it, whatever you can do, positioning in the room, you know, we talk very simply in basic school, don't don't put anything between you and the door. Always have a point of egress. So when you arrive and you try to clear a scene, you know, scan the area, look around, use your lights, flashlight, spotlight, and in, in, in low light to your advantage. You know, I worked night shift for 10 years. You know, I carried my duty flashlight during the daytime because, you know, people have basements, uh, closets are dark, rooms are dark. There's no reason not to. When we pull up, um, you know, I'm looking at the house on either side, if I'm in the middle of the block, uh, I'm looking down a dark driveway just to see, I don't want, you know, I don't want, are people mulling around? Uh, you know, I'm just, I don't want to be surprised. I don't want to, and it, I bet you've had it happen to you on a shift. You're, you know, you're treating some sleepy diabetic in the front room and all of a sudden somebody pops up out of the back room. You're like, Hey, where'd you come from? You know, and it's probably a lot more, a lot more abrupt than that. If you're aware of them before they're aware of you, again, it decreases you being surprised. It doesn't give you the element of surprise, but again, it's this, this is something as simple as walking in and you have one person in the front room and you say, hey, are you, are you, here, are you here alone? Anybody else here in the house with you? And it's not, you're not interrogating people. You're just, it's just a, a, normal, a normal question as part of your assessment. What's difficult for us, though, is we arrive in a rolling billboard with lights. Sometimes the sirens are on right up until you pull up, you know, depending on you know how you operate. Um, but you can still be aware uh, of, of the principles and the precautions. So two things I know you were taught in basic school, and I know you were, everyone was. Number one, what was it? Do not park in front of the house. Do not park in front of the address. Watch the cops. Okay? Watch law enforcement. They don't do that. They park one to two houses down. They walk. Okay? They walk in. Again, part of it is surprise. Part of it is assessing the, the scene. That way they can look, you know, they can observe before they walk into that person reporting that address. 
and, and, and the big one, do not stand in front of the door when you're knocking and announcing yourselves. And I'll tell you right now, these are two things that are the most overlooked in EMS. Because why? You know, why, why do we overlook them? There, and there's people listening. I know you're going to say, well, I religiously stand to the side and knock on the door. and I, I never do that. Or I religiously park two houses down. Hmm. Okay. The door thing I, I'll buy. The, the park two houses down, I bet you don't. Unless you can't park any closer. Like when the fire truck is in the way. So why do we do it? It's a routine mentality. And you start thinking to yourself, you know what? Nothing bad has ever happened to me when I park in front of the address or I stand in front of the door or this neighborhood is nice. So, you know, I'll just keep doing it. And then when nothing bad happens, you usually think to yourself, eh, my EMT instructor was full of shit. You know, nothing bad happens, whatever. They're just, they're just being overly cautious. Absolutely. They're absolutely being overly cautious because it's that one time, you know, so the kill zone, um, just to put it into perspective, if you can think of a room, and I would say a room on the second floor um, and with a window. And if you think about it, the angle of the view available to the bad guy based on its position inside the room to shoot the approaching officer, the fire guy, or the medic. So what I'm getting at is the bad guy has a better field of view if he's closer to the window than if he was back further away from it. And you guys are going to have to shoot over to YouTube because there's really two pictures that kind of compare this uh, on the on the next slide. So if you look here in the upper right, you have Chris Kyle, uh, Navy SEAL sniper. He is what kind of back in a room with his rifle up on a table and he can look out a longer distance through the window, through his rifle scope. But if you're looking up at the building, you're not going to see him. And the bottom picture is a cat with a sniper rifle and he's got his rifle pointed out the window and that cat can see a lot more like where your ambulance would pull up. Okay. And he owns a lot more, but to your advantage, you're going to be able to look up and you're going to be able to see him. Um, so, again, there's differences and it's things you should be aware of. Okay. You should at least just be aware. So, here's a picture of uh, my house that I grew up in. Um, and again, you got to shoot over to YouTube for this. And it just kind of gives you a perspective of. In relation to if somebody was, you know, at the front door, how much of the kill zone is available? And I put a big red triangle there. Um, you know, they're pretty close and they're limited by a couple of physical things, but they, they own a lot of the real estate in front of this house. And then if they're on the second floor, if they're up close to the window, they own a lot more real estate in the kill zone, you know, where your ambulance is going to arrive. And then I have, again, just for perspective, the third floor, which was our attic, the attic dormers, they own a lot more. Not much more, but a lot more when it comes to being shot at. Um, and then if you end up, if you really look at the picture, um, this has been, this has been uh, probably a recent picture of this house. There used to be a giant oak tree on our front lawn uh, that provided great cover um, if you needed it, but it looks like it's been removed. And uh, 
on either side of it, uh, the houses on either either side of this house, my old house, um, there's not there's not a lot of cover at all, you know. And what is what does that even mean? Um, a couple different things, and we're going to hit the cover and concealment in, in a bit. But every call requires us to enter the kill zone. Okay, now whether you just want to be narrow-minded about it and go, oh, well, that's just the area in front of the house. That's why I park my ambulance two houses down or one house, one house down, uh, and I approach, um, I approach with caution. Well, what happens when you get to the house? You know, that door, you, know, st- you stood to the side of the doorway, you knocked, you announced, you were invited in, and now, again, from the law enforcement side, the doorway is a fatal funnel. Um, you know, just walking through it, you know, you have no idea what the house layout is like. You know that you can go backwards, um, you know, you have to, you assess for that. And a lot of people say, well, I can't assess for everything. You, but if you're aware, at least your brain is turned on to it. Uh, the more you game it, when you pull up to houses, it's a, a lot more, a lot more, it becomes automatic. So things don't go like you thought, right? Or the fecal material hath percussed the rotating blades that circulate air, Right. So what happens if you're ambushed in the open? Okay, you need to learn how to use terrain to your advantage. Um, movement to cover should be practiced regularly, and then dropping into a prone position can be an option. The word, the operative word, is practiced. Have you practiced? You know, dropping your bags. How do you how do you hold your bags? Do you leave one hand free? I mean, we carry a lot of crap into a call. Do you have a backpack? Do you have a shoulder bag? Do you have a separate oxygen bag? Oxycaddy. Uh, do you guys split the gear between the two of you? Do you always keep one hand free to knock on the door or use your flashlight? Uh, do you keep both hands free in case you have to wrestle with somebody at the door? Uh, you know, it's just things you kind of pick up over the years. Things you kind of pick up over the years. But things you should think about. So you got to learn to use buildings, Ditches, culverts, power poles, big trees, mailboxes, different landscape features that's available. And then vehicles. If you're going to use the vehicle, try and use the engine block, not the door. And if you can get to cover, you know, that's going to, it's going to give you time to think what's next. And, you know, again, playing the what if game will really help this, those thoughts move a lot faster and be a little more accurate. Uh, you know, we can do a whole other podcast on stress response and loss of fine motor skills and heart rate control and all that, but that's not what this is. So cover versus concealment. So cover, two different, cover and concealment, two different things. So cover, protection from the fire of hostile weapons, those, that's usually something that's kind of bullet resistant. Um, steel, concrete, large tree trunk, the vehicle engine block, and then you've got concealment. And that's really just the protection from observation. Typically, not bullet resistant. It's like a bush or, a, a, again, a thin skin type car door. Those do not stop bullets very well. Um, you know, try and try not to hide behind clear glass. Uh, you know, where people can still see you. Uh, you know, and really like in the shadows too. Again, sometimes to your advantage, it's not really going to stop a bullet. But if somebody can't see you to shoot you, it might be all you have. So one point to remember, all cover is concealment since it hides you from both the bullets and from somebody trying to find you, but not all concealment is cover. And again, hit that YouTube channel because I've got a couple of pictures here that kind of 
show the difference between cover and concealment. And two uh, hilarious memes. Homer, you know, Homer disappeared in the bush. Well, that's concealment. And then I got Spider-Man hiding behind a tree, and that's cover. So what happens if you have lack of cover? Well, you got to find something, okay? The curb and the gutter, those sometimes can serve as cover. cover. If that's all you got, it's all you got. So get down flat, get parallel to that gutter, suck it all in, try and try and get as small as possible. Um, and the more important part is look for better cover. Um, again, going to require you to move, move quickly. Um, you're going to have to do what you got to do. Uh, and again, you should practice this. You should be looking at things when you're in your every, everyday life. You know, what can be used as cover? What can be used as concealment? If someone was to come through this door right now, how would I leave this restaurant? Can I get through, out through the kitchen? Um, is there an access door? You know, the movie theater, you always see the lit uh, green exit signs. You know, can I position myself so I can make a quick egress? So mindset's only going to get you so far, okay? And you need to prepare physically. And again, I'm not, I'm not the most physically fit person in the world. Um, we can always do better. Um, it should be a part of your public safety, you know, preparation. Um, we need to be able to move. Okay. So maintaining a high level of fitness, it does have benefits. It increases your mobility. Um, if you do need to run, you know, we talk about, you know, back out of a scene as quickly as you got into it. Don't, but don't run backwards. Um, it's way slower than running forwards. You're probably going to fall. We're not meant to run backwards. Our legs and our physiology doesn't, it's not meant to do that. This is going to sound weird, but if you run in a very sporadic pattern, a serpentine pattern, again, that person who's specifically targeting you, they're going to have to make adjustments. And that might be, you know, that, you know, you zig when you should have zagged. That might be the, you know, that might be the thing that saves your life. Um, so just, again, just something to think about. So shots fired. What do, what do you need to do? Get off the X, okay? The X is the kill zone. The X is where you are in relation to the the bullets coming toward you, okay? And you don't want to be there. So good adage, movement is life, okay? Move to cover. Scan the area for threats. Most importantly, breathe. It keeps you calm under stress. Start thinking. And at least, and even you know what? Say it out loud. You're live. Let's try to keep it that way. So as soon as it's practical, communicate your position. Tell the dispatcher what's going on. Tell them where the suspect is. If you if you go back and listen, you can hear in that firefighter audio from Webster that uh, you know he's like, "Hey, uh, we think the gunman is. You know, we're parked on the south side. He's on the north side. Okay, he's given." given some direction. Uh, he was also talking about the type of weapon being used. He thought it was a, he thought it was a long gun. He thought it was a rifle or something like that. You know, if you can do that, great. Okay. In my opinion, you know, really until you're in the situation or you've practiced that radio report in your head or out loud, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's probably going to be difficult to do. If you can provide staging instructions, approach instructions, that way, you know, you decrease the likelihood of, of other responder injuries so you can kind of get the right resources in there. You know, he was trying to direct saying, hey, you know, that he's on the north side, we're on the south side. That dispatcher can sit there and 
look and go, okay, you know, all, you know, all law enforcement units you want to approach from, or you know, incoming ALS you want to approach from, um, and and again, you can keep giving that that update and that that important, you know, that more, you know, recent information. So what happens if you're ambushed in the truck? Um, so again, more when then thinking, you know, game it. So if a threat, pre- you know, you sit there and you say, when a threat presents itself at the front of the truck, then I would, what would I do? You know, it, decide what's best and then do it. Okay. There's might be a ton of options available and some will be more readily available if you practice them. So if you at least think of it, you know, you get that mindset go and you play the what if game before you're in the situation, before the shooting starts, you know, you're, you may, may contribute to a better outcome. I don't know. I've never been shot at in a truck like that. Um, so, but I thought about it. Okay. But I thought about it. So a couple things to think about while you're in the truck, you know, lean below that dashboard and just back straight out of the kill zone. Okay. That puts the engine block in front of you. And when you park the truck, be aware of what's around you. Um, this is a stupid question, but just something to think about. Um, for a lot of people, if you post, if you street corner post, or, uh, if you're in a, in a situ, if you're in a system where, you know, you don't get to stations a lot, or you do a lot of post moves, when you guys stop somewhere, whether, you know, it's the convenience store or whatever, do you, and you're stopped for a period of time, do you unclip your seatbelt or do you sit belted in the truck, even when you're not moving? Um, you know, it's just one of those things. It's one of those things to think. But even when I, when we approach, when we approach a, an address, I try and take my seatbelt off. You know, three, two to three houses before we're going to stop. Um, it's just one of those things. It lets you know how many times have you staged on a call and somebody comes up and knocks on the ambulance? Hey, I think you're here for me. And you're like, ooh, what happened? So again, you know, I was surprised. It's better to surprise than be surprised. Uh, you know, I like to be able to get out of that truck as quickly as possible. Um, on this uh, slide, it says worry about the road safety points later. That's that was specific to our our organization. If you have like a big brother box, it talks about you know it monitors your backups and your over speeds and how many G forces you guys are turning on. Uh, you know, don't worry about that thing. You're not not important when people start shooting at you. So if we run in the sporadic pattern, maybe driving in that serpentine pattern to get out of the kill zone might be beneficial. But again, you need to practice that and you don't need to practice that at five o'clock rush hour traffic in the middle of the road. Um, that's one of those things where you practice that at two o'clock in the morning in an empty parking lot, you know, with people spotting and you do it slow and you do it methodical and you get up to speed. Um, you know, people don't want their services I'm sure don't want their ambulances wrecked up while you were driving backwards in a serpentine pattern. But again, it's something, think about it, the cops, the cops go to a driving course. What's our driving course in EMS? It's EVOC, right? For insurance purposes. Um, it's not really too much safe operation. It's to say it's safe operation under normal conditions. We're, this is abnormal. This is, you know, the, the 0.001% time that I'm going to need to do it. So think about it. You know, if you have the means to do this, you absolutely should take advantage of it. Bring it to your higher ups. Talk with your partner. Be like, hey, let's go check. Let's go practice this. Uh, you know, again, safely controlled. You know, it's not a not stunt driving course 101.
So what happens when you're in the truck and your bad guy appears in front of you? So let's say you can't back out for whatever reason, and in your brain, death or great bodily harm is going to result if you don't act. Well, you just happen to be sitting in a 15,000-pound missile, and you can turn your ambulance into that weapon. And you guys can think whatever you're going to think, but I'm going to tell you right now, if it becomes between me, my partner, and somebody else, we're going home. We're going home that night. Not saying I'm not going to help the guy after we run him over, but I am saying I'm going home. Um, I'm not going to say the job's not worth it, the pay's not worth it. I'm just saying I'm going home. So what happens if you're seated in the truck? Can you? Like I already said, do you, do you sit clipped in to your seatbelt even when you're, you know, at a post or you're at a street corner or whatever? Or your partner's inside using the bathroom or getting a snack, whatever. Can you get your seatbelt off and get out of that truck without getting tangled in the seatbelt? Have you ever tried it? You know, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of shit from people. I wear a bat belt. I have for 20 plus years and it ain't going away. Um, that thing might get tangled on the seatbelt if I have to bail out. Um, you got to practice. And there's ways. There's ways, you know, that there's there's plenty of videos on YouTube from law enforcement on how to exit a vehicle quickly, you know, how to move that seatbelt out of your way. And they're great at it because those guys have to train to shift their body position to access their duty weapon, clear the steering wheel and engage a threat. I'm not even talking bail out. They have to move to get to their, to their firearm. Um, you know, like me, I'm a lefty. Um, so if I was a cop, my, my sidearm would be on my left side between my hip and the door. Um, so if that threat presented itself on my driver's side, I have to work. I have to work to get that, would have to work to get that gun up. I would also have to work to get out of the, of the, of the car, the ambulance, if that was to happen too. Um, I've practiced it, um, probably not as much as I should, but it's one of those things. Like once you get it in your head, you're like, Hey, I've never thought of that. Let's, you know, it's just like learning a new skill. Just practice it slow at first, find some resources, Find out what works for you that works consistently and then train it until muscle memory. And then when you need it, it should be hopefully automatic. How about when you guys go to eat at restaurants? Um, this is weird because it carries over into your normal life, uh, de depending, depending. Um, I know a lot of, I know a lot of people who do this sit in a position that allows visibility and mobility. Always know where your exits are. And don't sit with your feet crossed under your chair. Um, and again, it's just one of those things that makes you a lot more mobile. Uh, when I walk in, you know, you know, my family understands, you know, dad wants to sit where he can see the door. Um, you know, my kids get into it. They're like, daddy, I think we can get out through the kitchen. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Let's just eat dinner in case. So we don't, maybe we won't have to, um, you know, uh, just be aware. And again, we've had, there's been plenty of law enforcement incidents where guys and girls have been eaten and they've been shot. You know, they've just been, people walk up and execute them. I think there was one in Nevada, um, somewhere else. Um, it escapes me now, but it, it's prevalent. You know, it's more prevalent than it should be. Um, you know, you have to, it's hard to, it's hard to let your guard down. And again, I'm transferring it over to public safety in general. If you're wearing a uniform, there are people out there who dislike you for whatever reason, you know, the cops have it because, you know, they're a picture of authority, you know, EMS and fire. Again, it's just, all it takes is one, 
one call where a family member didn't think, you know, you did a good job or the hospital screwed them on the bill because granny died. Why should I pay $12,000? Whatever it is, the ambulance bill was too high and, and the hospital killed her. I'm not paying. What, there's, a, there's a multitude of, of reasons people do things. Um, and again, you know, you're not creating the situation, but you do have to deal with it. So what happens when all of this great, you know, great information didn't work and you've been shot? You know, God forbid you've been shot. So you've been shot, you know it. Okay. Think positive. That's really easy for me to say on that slide, but, uh, and I've never been shot, so I don't know how positively I would think. <clears throat> Pain is a really good indicator of life. It's a great motivator. You know, think to yourself, I'm shot, but I'm going to survive. Just like before. Get off the X. Movement is life. If you're able to, get out. Move. Move to cover. Communicate your condition and location to your dispatcher. Put pressure on that wound. And if you're not in the best location, consider changing your location. Uh, because that bad guy might attempt to finish you off. Now, that's from law enforcement. Um, I can't say that that's going to directly translate to police or, or fire EMS, but you know what? I don't want to make the comparison. If I don't, I don't want to stay if I don't, if I don't have to, uh, or if I have the means to move, I'm going to move. Never give up. And again, that's really easy to, to say. And again, I've never been shot, so I can't really, you know, I mindset is mindset. So remind yourself, most people who are shot survive. I will survive. I am going home after this shift. Now, for us, EMS and fire, um, we are not the cops. So we cannot bring the fight to the bad guy because the best medicine in a firefight is return fire. Okay, return fire, mitigate the threat. If you've taken tactical combat casualty care or tactical emergency casualty care, you know, we want to stop the fight, and then we can do some medicine. Um, we don't have that ability, okay? You know, we're not carrying firearms. Some of you listening might be, have like a DPS-type model. What do you do? You're, you're a firefighter, or you're a police officer and a paramedic doing the same job at the same time. You know, not the same for everybody, but it's something to think about. So it's hard for us to bring the fight to the bad guy. But... We're going to need to prepare mentally and physically. So game the call, change your mindset, practice your techniques, change your tactics, um, find out what works and what doesn't. But never give up, okay? Never give up. Never while you're out there give up. And that's a quote from uh, Sergeant George Arthur. He was L.A. County Sheriff's Office. And uh, him and his partner were in a gunfight uh, with two suspects, and they were ambushed. Um, and they fought back, they killed the two bad guys and they were able to go home. Um, I think he became a firearms instructor for them for a couple years later. Um, but I mean, the guy always, he always taught people is never give up. You know, if you survive that first shot, you know, bring the fight to the bad guy and, and go home, uh, make sure that you're going to be the one that goes home. So, you know, this didn't cover, didn't cover real medicine. This is more of a mindset thing. Okay, this is mindset thing. So some of the takeaways. Be proactive. Training absolutely starts with mindset. Um, like I've been, been saying, it's better to surprise than be surprised. Routine calls lead to complacency, and complacency can get you killed. Okay? 
yeah, we have routine calls. You might have that mindset of no call is routine. That's good. But at least if you're thinking about things, you're thinking about positioning, vehicle positioning, body positioning, how you how you approach a house, how you position yourself in a in a in a residence or, or a building or whatever. Uh, remember, every call requires you to be in that kill zone. Respond and prepare accordingly. Um, all cover is concealment, but not all concealment is cover. Be prepared physically as well as mentally. And remember, this is the third time super foot stomp. Get off the X. Movement is life. If you're ambushed in the open, get to cover. If you're ambushed in the ambulance, your vehicle can be used as a weapon. And if you're ambushed in a restaurant, plan your egress when you ingress. So as you come in the restaurant, figure out how you're going to get out. Okay. Like I said, we didn't do a lot of medicine, but if you're not carrying a tourniquet on your duty belt, or if you don't wear a duty belt, if you're not carrying it in one of your pockets, on your ankle, on your person, you need to. Okay? You need to. And I just, we can talk tourniquets and combat casualty care all day. And I'm sure we'll do a podcast about that. But if you guys are provided tourniquets as part of your gear, right? You walk up to a residence. You've got your shoulder bag, your backpack, whatever, your monitor, you've got your oxygen, you've got your things you normally bring into a call. And you, you know, you take gunfire coming through the door. You drop your gear. Where was your tourniquet? Tourniquet, you know, oh, our, our service provides four tourniquets in our jump bag. Oh, that's, that's awesome that you just dropped in front of the door uh, while you were trying to run away. But, you know, you're shot or your partner gets shot and you have to put a tourniquet on. Where's your tourniquet? They're in those gear bags in the kill zone. Are you going to go back for it? Nope. No, you're not. So carry it on your person, okay? If you're you're not going to carry a full bleeding kit with hemostatic gauze and chest seals and chest needles, carry a tourniquet, okay? You're going to bleed out in three minutes from an arterial. Carry your tourniquet. Learn self-aid. Learn to put it on yourself. Practice putting it on your partner. You know, if that's the very least that you have on you, um, you got to carry it. It's only effective if you carry it. So if you do get shot, get off the X, move to cover if available. Okay. And the most important thing, do not, never, 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 never give up. Okay. That's really all I have. Um, as usual, guys, thanks for listening. I'm getting really good responses from uh from a lot of feedback you guys are leaving here and there stuff I'm hearing locally and some emails and some, uh, some messages I've been getting through, um, through Instagram and stuff like that. So, um, check us out, go ahead search right now for uh medic up podcast. We're out there, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, go subscribe to YouTube, tell your friends about us. Um, I appreciate the feedback. Leave some ratings, whatever it is. Um, things are going well. We have a couple more. We have a lot of stuff in the works. Um, tell me what you want, and uh, we'll make it happen. But I do. I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate the feedback. So be safe out there, 